Welcome back, everybody, to the Silver and Black Pridecast. As always, this is Levi Damien, and I am here today with the one and only Tyler Smith. How's it going, Tyler? How was your Valentine's Day? It's going great. Valentine's Day was fantastic as usual. Well, that's good to hear. I hope everyone else out there had a wonderful and loving Valentine's Day. And if not, who cares? You know, it's just another day. You can celebrate. You can find other days to enjoy yourself and your loved ones. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Raiders, um, who had a pretty eventful offseason. They hired a new general manager. They they have $70 million to spend um, under the cap. They have five picks, five high draft picks, four in the top 35. It's a, it's a, it's a off season of hope, as they like to say. And with that, we decided it's time, well overdue, in fact, to do another mailbag podcast. So we sent out the uh, the call for you to ask for ask your questions, and as usual, you guys stepped up and asked some pretty phenomenal questions. So we're going to do just as we did before. We're going to bang those out um, alternately. And I will ask Tyler the first question. So Tyler, Pepper 13 asks, do you hate the mock draft of Rashawn Gary to the Raiders at four as much as the rest of us do? I really do. And, and I hate it for this reason, and I'll, I'll elaborate on that. The fact that this is a three-player draft, essentially, and the Raiders had the fourth pick. Uh, which is possibly the worst pick they could possibly have in this draft because the, the value is at one through three, and then the value is at essentially 15 through 30. Uh, four is not the place you want to be. The Raiders failed so hard this season, they failed to get a top three pick. Uh, the, the best players in this draft are obviously Nick Bosa, Quinn Williams, and Josh Allen. There's, there's no real question about that. Four is where you would want to take a quarterback. The Raiders don't need a quarterback as far as I'm concerned. So four, they're just, they're just slotting people to us in these mock drafts that the Raiders really shouldn't be taking it for and, and shouldn't even be slotted it for to anybody. Uh, if the Raiders don't get one of those three players I mentioned it for, they should absolutely trade down. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, four should be where someone like Dwayne Haskins goes or, or someone like, uh, like Daniel Jones or someone wants to trade up for him. Uh, those are the types of players who should be going in for. Rashawn Gary is the guy who should be going in eight or nine, and that's that's fine. Rashawn Gary wasn't the most productive guy in college, although he's an absolute physical marvel. He's a freak. He's a beast. He's an animal. Uh, he's going to do well in the NFL, but he's not going to do well enough where you should consider him at, at, at pick four. Uh, and if the Raiders stay at four, uh, I think if they're going to stay at four and take a defender, they should take Leland Farrell there. Uh, I think he's the only defender that comes even close uh, to being considered for the for the fourth spot. So I really don't like the pick of Rashawn Gary there on a lot of mock drafts that even I've seen. All right, fair enough. All right, the next question here is for you, Levi. And Raider Old Timer asks, do you feel the Raiders should take a shot at Kyler Murray? Is he worth the gamble? Mm. Well, well, first of all, I don't think he's a gamble in general, but I don't think the Raiders would take him. And it has nothing to do with Murray. He's a fine quarterback, and I think he'll do well in the NFL. I mean, if anything, guys like Russell Wilson proved a few years back that the height thing is for a quarterback is is pretty much, pretty overrated. I think it's just a way that they try to go about eliminating quarterbacks and trying to find the perfect specimen, and that just doesn't always work out that way. I would be interested, before I go on to um, anything else, I mean, you had mentioned 
guys like Dwayne Haskins and stuff. What is um, what is your opinion of Kyler Murray as a prospect? Well, when you look at Kyler Murray, you see a guy who reminds you of Russell Wilson. He can run really fast. He can throw the ball really, really well. He's fairly accurate. Uh, the problem Kyler Murray has is he's five foot nine, and that's just not going to impress too many people. People can use Wilson as a comp, but in my opinion, the better comp is actually Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie had a really good arm. Doug Flutie was accurate, and Doug Flutie could run, and Doug Flutie was short. And Doug Flutie had a long, long football career in the CFL. And that's fine. You can make a good living doing that. I'm not sure Kyler Murray is going to have the kind of success in the NFL that he had at the Big 12. Uh, and I, I'm just not sure he's a top 10 prospect. I like him a lot. I think he's a fantastic player. Um, but I just think his, his lack of fight is going to hamper him quite a bit. Hmm. Well, I think it's a good thing that there are people that get paid a lot of money to make those decisions, and it's not me. Because, you know, I mean, you, you don't often see guys that are as short as he is. And, you, and, I mean, I mentioned that I think it's overrated, the height thing, but 5'9 is quite short. I mean, that's short for a running back. So uh, who really knows? I, I mean, really what it comes down to, I mean, is the first part of that question is, where the Raiders should take a shot at him. And I don't think they should take Murray because I see, I see them giving Derek Carr another year to try and prove that he can get the system down well enough to play outside of it. And that means improvising when things don't go as planned and taking shots down to feel like we saw him do in 2016. We haven't seen him do the last couple of years so much. And mostly last year when he did a lot of checking down, people like to call on the fact that he went over 4,000 yards for the first time. But, you know, he would have done that in 2016 while at the same time taking shots down the field. So that's what you really want from him because you want those wins to go along with the numbers. And you can make the argument that uh, they should draft Murray if you'd like. Uh, I mean, if Carr doesn't work out, they'd have their future supposedly waiting in the wings. But if Carr doesn't work out, there are a couple of great quarterbacks in the next draft as well that look a lot better than the quarterbacks in this one. I mean, would you give a, a chance to take one of them? because you already have Murray, or if Carr does work out, then you have a guy you took at fourth overall just kind of wasting away on the bench when you could have drafted a player who could step in and contribute from day one. Uh, you know, it just doesn't seem like a wise strategy to me. Uh, now, if by some chance Gruden shocked the world, which wouldn't be the first time, and traded Carr away, that would be a different story. Um, all I can do at this point is go by what he said in the past and assume that he's going to take a more patient approach for once, maybe. All right, so... Moving on. So for you, um, Raider fan 35 asks, who should be a target if the Raiders trade down? And I'd also like to know more about Devin White. Seems overhyped. Well, I think the two guys I mentioned in the first question, Cleveland Farrell and Rashawn Gary, those should be the primary targets if the Raiders trade down. And I, and I don't see a whole lot of other guys um, that are in that, I would say seven to, to 15 area besides perhaps cornerback Greedy Williams from LSU. Uh, he would also be an option there if the Raiders wanted to, to bulk up the secondary a bit. But I think Gary and Farrell are the edge rushers that the Raiders are going to need um, to basically replace almost no production from, from the defensive end position. I think those are both two pretty blue chip guys who you would want between picks eight and 12, eight and 13, um, that would really, really be what the doctor ordered for the Raiders. They can get some good pressure off the edge. Rashawn Gary can even go inside the defensive tackle in a pinch. 
Uh, and Farrell is just a pure beast edge rusher. I really, really love him. I mean, people saw what he did in the national championship game against Alabama. I mean, they're basically dominating the, the Alabama offensive line. But he was doing that all season, and he's been doing that his entire college career at Clemson. I've watched probably over a dozen of Clemson games during Farrell's time there, and he's impressed in every single one of them. So that's the main guy that I would consider uh, the Raiders drafting if they were to trade down for sure. Uh, as far as Devin White goes, uh, he might be a little overhyped just because he seems to eschew contact and, and not really want to get in there sometimes. But you're not going to find a guy with better measurables than Devin White. You're not going to find a guy who looks the part more than Devin White. He, he absolutely makes an impact on the game. He's a good tackler. He's got good lateral speed and quickness. He can cover a little bit. Um, at middle linebacker, that's the type of player that you want. And he, he can fit any scheme. I think he's got the ability to do that. I think he can fit Paul Gunther's double-eight gap scheme. If the Raiders wanted to pick him up, that would be perfectly fine by me. Uh, the Raiders don't really have a long-term uh, solution at the middle linebacker position. I like Markel Lee a lot, but I don't necessarily see him as the guy. I think he's a guy. Um, but I think Devin White, if he lives up to his potential, can be the guy. So I like him a lot. Um, yeah, he might just be overhyped from the name Devin White as far as being above the production of the actual Devin White in real life. Uh, but I think he can grow into something that you'd be really, really happy to have in your organization. All right, looks like the next question is for you, Levi. And Jay Pepper 13 with a second question today asks, what are your thoughts about the Combine? I'm almost at the point of wishing that we never go to it because I'm tired of getting the athletic guys who can't play football and would rather we use mostly game tape for our evaluation. Well, I mean, I think the over the days of overdrafting um, that, that these crazy athletic guys kind of left when Al Davis passed on. It's really more of just a reputation at this point. And, and every year, all the people who make their predictions still kind of make their predictions based on that kind of easy formula they used to do from years past. But um you know, I think I think there is a lot to be gleaned from the combine. I, I I tend to watch it. I mean, I would suggest looking at specific events for specific positions because some events matter to certain positions and some not so much. You know, you can you can confirm things with the forty time, but mostly for just positions like wide receiver and cornerback. I mean, you you shouldn't really care too much about the forty time of like offensive linemen or maybe interior defensive linemen so much. Although, of course, when one of them like. Well, like a 300 pound guy or ends a you know ends a sub five or something like that you you tend to you know ear perk up a little bit but i mean it's not that not that vital <clears throat> i mean it's a it's the same for the vertical jump when you're talking about like the wide receivers and cornerbacks and you're talking about if they have a lot of speed it usually means they have some good um you know leg strength which means they can usually jump pretty high and that's important as well and likewise you know you're looking like um, like the three cone is really good for judging running backs. And you can, if you like, you can judge linebackers the same way, you know, because it shows like lateral uh, agility and stuff like that. Speed, quickness. My favorite drill at the combine, one that I will, uh, I will watch multiple times is the gauntlet drill. And that's where, uh, for those who don't know, it's where the receivers, like they'll turn one direction and catch a pass <clears throat> And then jump and turn the other direction, catch a pass. And then they'll run in a straight line, turning to each side, catching a pass along the way. And it's, it's not an easy drill. <laughs> and uh, it pretty much never fails that the, the draft's best receivers excel in that drill. And it, it's a tough drill. And, and the ones who make it look easy, they really stand out. 
And you can also tell the guys who struggle as a, you can hear balls, you know, smack their hands as, as they come, uh, come at them. And they, this, the, uh, and their movements are really jerky because they, you know, they seem like they're a little panicked. They're not really like comfortable running that drill. And then there's the rare guys who just look like they can do it in their sleep. And those guys are the ones that really stand out in my mind when I watch that drill. I mean, things like that. So, I mean, like I said, they, Mike Mayock always, uh, now he's one of the announcers for the, for the combine and he, uh, he won't be there this year, at least not his, what he has to say won't be public, but, uh, but you can tell that he gets, he gets a lot from the combine as well. It's basically just, you mentioned the tape, you have to go back to the tape all the time because you don't want any like DHB type situations, but, uh, but you can confirm things with what you see at the, at the combine and you can, you can, you're like, Oh, he seemed like he was faster, you know, things like that, you know, basically it just kind of adds or takes away a little bit from what we, what you already know about the, the prospects anyway. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. Uh, Anglo Raider asks, regardless of whether we re-sign cook or not, um, he's talking about Jared cook. Should we be looking to try and add TJ Hawkinson with one of our later first round picks? I'm inclined to say no. And it's not because TJ Hawkinson isn't a great player. Uh, this is a very interesting draft in that there are two first-round tight end prospects, and both of them are Iowa Hawkeyes. I don't think I've ever seen something like that before the tight end position where two guys come from one school and they're both first-round first round draft picks. Almost certainly both of them will be taken on the first day. Uh, and I don't think so um, just because the Raiders have so many needs on defense and also at wide receiver. Uh, and Jared Cook really isn't that old. And behind him, we have Lee Smith, and the Raiders have a guy like Derek Carrier, and there's even guys behind that who should get who should get some playing time to show what they can do. Um, the Raiders have so much need at the wide receiver spot. I mean, and there's there's several good wide receiver prospects in the first round. There's two guys from Ole Miss, AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, and there's a guy from Arizona State, Nikhil Harry, who I'm really high on. And I would rather the Raiders take any one of those receivers over a tight end in the first round. You can get a tight end later if you really want some depth, but I think what the Raiders have at the tight end position might actually right now be one of their strongest positional groups. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at Hawkinson for the Raiders, but I definitely think he'll go in the top 20 for sure. And so will his teammate Noah Fant. He might, he might go in the top 25, uh, but I don't think the Raiders should look into that in the first round, no. Okay, so next question is for you. Uh, Levi Maru 26 asks, whose big board do you all think is the best to look at and whose prospect rankings and breakdowns do you trust the most? Well, uh, Mike Mayock, <laughs> he was a must every year. So it kind of, kind of sucks that we won't be seeing those anymore. Um, in the years, in years, recent years, I really liked what Dane Brugler puts out. He used to be a CBS sports and he recently, recently signed with the athletic, um, what do you, what do you, what guys would you say you trust, Tyler? Yeah, I, I've been reading Mayox for a long time, and you know, I read uh, I read the stuff on ESPN from from Mel Kiper, you know, and, and all those guys. And I also I also look at Walter Football. He's a guy who runs a, a football website, and he does he publishes a mock draft basically every three days, and he's got a big board. And I've always found it very useful for research purposes. And when it comes down to it, he 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 gets pretty accurate picks as far as who's going where. Um, so I've always liked Walter, and I've always liked Mike Mayock as well. Really, I mean, you could go one of you can go a lot of different directions. I think Optimum Scouting has has a pretty good big board, but 
really my what I would recommend is not taking any one draft analyst or publications big board all by itself, not in a vacuum. You know, you know, get a second opinion, a third, a fourth, fifth opinion, because sometimes they can vary greatly. You know, if if you have to, and I've done this, um, make a spreadsheet, put several big boards side by side, compare them. I mean, hell, it's the off season. What else? What else are you gonna do? You know, talk to your family. Here we are. All right. So next up here, Tyler Raider one eight seven asks, "Will Derek Carr show improvement next year, and can he get back to winning football?" Well, those are two different questions entirely. Uh, will Carr show improvement? Let's not forget that Carr was actually pretty darn good as far as his raw numbers from last season. Did he throw a bunch of interceptions? Yeah, he might have thrown a little more interceptions than we'd like to see. Uh, but he threw for a boatload of yards, and, and he threw for a, quite a few touchdowns as well. I mean, in a vacuum, Carr's numbers are not bad. The team was bad. Uh, so winning football was a different story. But let, let's also not forget that Derek Carr has had essentially a different offensive coordinator every single year that he's played. The Raiders have been in such flux as far as their coaching staff. Carr's had no consistency whatsoever. Um, the only thing he's had in his career is a fairly decent offensive line, almost every year maybe the first year not so much maybe last year as they had a lot of injuries that that you know dealt some blows to, to car security uh but as far as coaching and being in the same system year after year not so much so i'm definitely looking for improvement from car uh in as much as he's working with john gruden for the second year in a row and then he'll be in third year in a row fourth year in a row uh, you know god willing that he stays and that he doesn't trade it away but i think he'll continue to get better and better and, and more comfortable I mean, we, we saw, we've seen Drew Brees work with Sean Payton for so long, and they're essentially a well-oiled machine now. And when you have a talented co- coach with a good offensive system and a talented quarterback, and they grow together, uh, and, and they learn each other's tendencies, and they learn what they can and cannot do, then it gets better and better and better, so long as the team doesn't completely crater. Um, now, the Raiders are going to have to improve their defense so that Carr isn't playing from behind all the time, um, because... Some of the car stats were garbage time. There's no, there's no question about that. We're, we're not going to be dishonest here. Um, but I just think that winning football is a little different than car improving. Winning football, you have, you have to get a running game, you have to get an offensive line, and you have to improve your defense across the board. If you do that, what, what Derek Carr has already shown he can do is perfectly fine, and I think he'll continue to get better as well. Uh, so I'm going to go yes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also say if they make some really good defensive draft picks and, and the guys they have continue to grow in Paul Gunder's defensive system, I'm going to go yes in the winning football as well. So the next question for you, Levi, is Yosemite Raider asks, how will the tackle positions look on week one? Ah, that is the $22 million question. That's basically touches on something you just mentioned a moment ago because that's uh, – 22 million is what Derek Carr is making this season, by the way. And if they don't get tackle, the tackle position figured out, they may as well just flush that gas down the toilet because he can't really function <clears throat> without protection. If it were me, I wouldn't have started Colton Miller at left tackle in the first place. I would have stuck with Donald Penn at left tackle and let, Mi- let Miller play at right tackle for season before even considering moving him to left um, tackle perhaps in the second season or maybe even leaving him at right tackle and bringing in another left tackle. I mean, you basically, you give yourself a year, you, you see what he looks like, and then you make your decision then. And it gives you that flexibility to say, hey, should we bring a left tackle or should we bring in a right tackle, depending on where you want to play Colton Miller. 
and um, don't give me the injury stuff because you can't predict that. And when I say the injury stuff, I mean to Donald Penn. Um, I firmly believe that you know Penn switching from left tackle to right tackle suddenly for the first time in his career was the primary reason why he ended up getting injured again in the first place. But you know that being said, we can't go back in time. We can't uh, change what he's done, what the, the decisions Gruden's made with the offensive line. And they didn't go that route. They Instead, they put Miller left tackle and right from the start, which basically what that is is the long play. And it suggests that they intend to keep him there next season as well. And, you know, and if he plays well, he could keep going at left tackle. If he doesn't, maybe they'll, they'll revisit it then. But uh, he, looked, he gave up uh, 16 sacks for sure, and he looked very raw, but he did struggle with a knee injury that he suffered around about the same time um, earlier, I think it was week four, as Osemele had suffered his injury, and and that injury will certainly buy him some time. They'll buy him some slack as far as uh, the coaching staff's judgment of his overall talent. They'll figure, you know, let's see what he can do when he's healthy. Parker, Brandon Parker, on the other hand, is uh, another story. Um while Miller had the injury excuse, Parker was just flat out terrible. He didn't have the injury excuse. Uh, they, I think they'd be really smart to either sign a free agent to play right tackle or use one of their four picks in the top 35. Um, and I would go with the former because I believe there are some pretty decent right tackle, potential right tackles that are going to be on the market. And you could bring in a guy. Um, you, could, you could bring in a guy who would at very least – provide competition with Parker for the job. And at most he could jump in as a starter this season and perhaps beyond that. And then if Parker um, down the road, uh, if he develops, they can give another shot at that, that time, but it would be, it'd just be irresponsible to back themselves into a corner again with Parker as the only option without giving uh, another guy a shot. All right, Tyler, next one's for you. Gabe Ruth asks, Who's the one prize free agent you think the Raiders will land? And will free agents want to come to Oakland with the mess that has been going on? Well, uh, those, are two, those are two different questions, and I, I can certainly address them both. The one free agent I think the Raiders will land uh, is Jadavian Clown. Uh, when I, was, uh, I saw a video from NFL Total Access on NFL Network just uh, two days ago. And Willie McGinnis was asked, who's the, who's the one free agent that really fits the Raiders? And he said, well, it's Jadavian Clowney. They need an edge rushing, and Clowney is the best free agent for that. Uh, Clowney came out, and we talked about the combine. Jadavian Clowney is a guy who absolutely destroyed the combine. I mean, he was an absolute physical marvel, a physical freak. Every, he was what everyone thought he was going to be and more. And that solidified him at the top of that particular 2014 draft, even above a guy like Julio Mack. Uh, and he came out and played and got injured and really wasn't that good. But in the last couple of seasons, he's grown into his potential. He's become more or less what everyone thought he should be, uh, and he's just playing at a, at a fantastic level right now. He's an elite edge rusher. He, he's a defensive end that everyone would want to have on their team, and that's the guy the Raiders should target, and I think, and I, I think they're going to have to get. And if they want to really be competitive, they have to get the Javion Clownies of the world, and I think they'll get him. Um, as far as um, wanting to come to Oakland, well, it, it, at this point, you're signing guys for Las Vegas because they're going to be there next year, regardless of where the Raiders play, whether it's Oakland, San Francisco, you know, Birmingham, or the moon. It doesn't matter. 
these guys are signing four or five-year deals, and the vast majority of it is going to be in a shiny new stadium on the Las Vegas Strip. So that's what guys are signing up for. They're signing up for no income tax. They're signing up for the Las Vegas life. They're signing up to play for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think that's a very attractive option for a lot of guys who are on the market right now. Okay. So next question. The last, que- the last question, in fact, uh, is for you. Uh, 20 Crow asks, do you think any of the interior O-line starters are gone this offseason? Well, if there's one player in there I could see potentially being moved, it's Kelechi Yosemite. Not to say that they absolutely would, but you know Rodney Hudson's not going anywhere. Um, he's kind of like the he's the foundation of that offensive line. He's got a few years left on his contract. And uh, and Gabe Jackson was just re-signed last year, I think, to a long contract, and he's still young. So Yosemite is due $10.2 million next year with no dead money left behind if he's cut. And his salary only goes up in 2020. And it would be a shame because – his talents are kind of wasted. They've been kind of wasted the last two seasons with the switch to zone blocking, whether it's lateral zone or downhill zone or wherever they want to call it. And really, they should go back to what made him an all-pro in the first place and the, well, the Raiders one of the best lines in the league instead of trying to, you know, cutting him or trading him or whatever they would possibly do. And, you know, with $70 million in cap room, there's really no reason why they should feel they need to start cutting his salary or anything like that. You know, they don't need to clear any space for the set for, uh, to get into the salary cap or anything like that. But I would suggest keeping an eye on John Feliciano. He's headed for free agency, and if Feliciano resigned for cheaper, he's younger, and therefore his contract would start with the rebuild while Assembly's contract will be up after 2020 when he turns, turns 32. One will stay, the other will go. So that's something to keep an eye on. All right, I guess that's it. Yeah, that's all the questions we have. All right. Well, um, again, just awesome questions from the, the readers. Thank you. Give us lots of lots of stuff to sink our teeth into. I'd like to thank uh, Tyler for hopping on hey, with some with some of his uh, draft insight and otherwise. I guess that's it for this Silver and Black Pride Cast. Again, hope everybody had a great Valentine's Day and has a an awesome off season. And we'll see you next time.